Welcome everyone to episode 15 of the Average Ontario Anglers podcast. I'll be your host this week and Jesse's co-host and Jesse will be in, in charge of our interesting fishing facts. We'll make sure that it is interesting. If not, I'll personally slap him for you. <laughs> That's illegal. <laughs> our main topic we're going to be talking about is top bass lures. It's going to be Ooh. kind of a, a bit of a general topic, but we're going to narrow it down to some of our favorites and kind of share with you a bit of what online kind of told me what the top bass lures were. And we'll tell you if we agree with that or not, because a lot of those accounts are from the States and we don't live there. Yep. <laughs> uh, we also have a awesome uh, sponsor this week. It's from True North Baits. Is True North Baits. Yeah. So he's got some, some I, I use them. We use them for crappy actually this spring. They had some really good baits there. So we're going to be looking at uh, a little bit of what he's going to be giving away to one fortunate winner. So to get us started at this week, though, Jesse is going to hit us off with an interesting fishing fact. And I'm trying to read his chicken scratch title over there, and I can't. <laughs> uh, last week, Andrews is more entertaining about the bass cheaters. This is more educational. So it shouldn't get too low of a score. <laughs> so... I tried to think of something that I personally didn't know. I was like, okay, like what is something that, you know, you use all the time, but you may not understand exactly how it works or why it works. So mm -hmm. I was thinking, I was like, what are polarized sunglasses? Like, what are they? Okay. okay. Interesting, right? So like you may have, you know, used regular sunglasses that you, you bought that aren't polarized and tried to look into the water and you're like, these are crap. And then you put on a <laughs> pair of sun polarized sunglasses and you can literally see through the water and you're like, what kind of voodoo is this? Like, what? Why does it work? Okay. So I didn't know. I, I just always took it for granted. So I did some research. This is not a very long, interesting fishing fact, but it's short but sweet. So polarized glasses reduce light glare. Now you may say, obviously, that's why they work. <laughs> and they will 100% improve your fishing game, 100%. So here's what happened. Back in 1936, some old guy named Edwin H. Land who worked for Polaroid, he created the first polarized glasses and they have been a staple in the eyewear industry ever since. Now, this is interesting because I remember when I grew up fishing, polarized sunglasses, they're kind of hard to get. Like, yeah. like you could get even the cheap, bulky Rapala ones for like 30, 40 bucks. <laughs> you could only get ones that fit over other glasses. <laughs> yeah. Now you go to the store and they're they're reasonably priced. You can get cheap ones. You can get expensive ones, but like they're everywhere. And you look at even the name brands, like you look at Oakley or Ray-Ban, you're getting a pair of sunglasses, regular sunglasses from them. Generally, they are polarized as well. Yeah. Like it's become standardized almost. Exactly. So like it is good that you can get, you know, if, you, if you're getting into fishing and you're like, wow, these benefits sound good. You can probably spend... 30 20 or 30 dollars and get a pair to get you started but I anyway i still buy those yeah i, I buy those too because i break mine all <laughs> yeah, the time scratch them up yeah so anyway that started in 1936 and polarized lenses this is how they work this is interesting it has a special chemical that is applied to the lens that filters the light now it's like okay that's interesting obviously it filters the light somehow but it's a chemical what does this chemical do well when light scatters as it bounces off a surface it creates a glare. And I actually looked up the definition of glare and it said a strong dazzling light, <laughs> kind of like a disco ball, <laughs> but the chemicals, what happens is the chemicals molecules, they line up specifically to block some of the light passing through the lenses. Now, not 
so there's only some. certain directions. Then, yes, essentially. exactly. So on polarized lenses, huh. the filter create, created by this chemical, it creates vertical openings of light. Now, how the heck they do that? I have no idea. But it creates vertical <laughs> openings of light and blocks horizontal light waves bouncing off smooth surfaces of water. That makes sense as to why. Cause I, I, I wondered why when I wear them. Especially you like turn driving, your head. Yeah, you turn your head and you're seeing like the yeah. weird like stripes or dots on windshields disappear and come back. Yeah, right? Hey, so isn't that interesting? Like I, absolute idiots, like <laughs> I'm gonna repeat that for emphasis. The filter created by this chemical creates vertical openings of light that blocks horizontal light waves. That's huh. very interesting. So as a result, you can see clear and deeper into the water that actually has glare on it because they use the example of uh, of a blind. Say it's it's bright outside. You pull the blind down and it blocks some of the light from coming in. Mm-hmm. It won't block all of it, but it blocks some of it. But this chemical creates, you know. It only allows certain light in at certain directions, which is very interesting. Hmm. So when you're wearing sunglasses, you may have noticed this. You may have noticed that when you're wearing polar sunglasses, you may have trouble seeing LCD screens, yep. cell phones, watch screens, yep. ATM displays, stuff like that. And I've noticed that too. Like sometimes I'll be wearing my polarizers and I'm, I'm you know, trying to take a picture of my phone. And you have to actually have to take your sunglasses Especially off. Especially if you're trying to take a horizontal photo on your yep. phone and it, it doesn't work. Yeah. So definitely... If you have that, don't worry. Nothing's wrong with your sunglasses. That's just, that's the way it works. Squidward, I've gone blind. <laughs> so the advantages far outweigh the disadvantages though. You're like, oh man, I can't believe I'm, I can see all these fish, but I can't see my, uh, my watch screen. Like, who cares guys? <laughs> Doesn't so, matter what time it is. Keep casting. <laughs> exactly. So it definitely outweighs all the, the disadvantages though. And again, there's less strain on your eyes. So especially, mm-hmm. you know, you should always be wearing sunglasses when you're out on the water when it's sunny. But when you have polarized glasses, it not only helps your eye strain, but it helps you actually see into the water. And now if you fish shallow water structure, that can be a big deal or trout creeks. And a quick example of this is I remember when I was young, I was like 13, 14, I bought a pair of polarized sunglasses. Remember those the big old Berkeley rapa, ones? Rapa, oh, the remember? Yeah. They look terrible. Now they're a lot more stylish, but <laughs> yeah. they look terrible. And my dad uh, took me to this trout stream that we used to fish a lot. And he was like fishing this pool. And I looked at the pool and I was like, there's no fish here. And he's like, oh yeah, they're in there. Yeah. And I'm like, put up, put these sunglasses on. He looks and he sees straight to the bottom. There's no fish. And he's like, wow, these are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so it's definitely something that you need. So that is the very brief and interesting science. Interesting fishing fact. So hmm. what do you think about that? I like it. It was it was good. It was good. It was it was informative, ah, interesting. Okay, and it, it put me. I felt like I was back in school. I, I admit, at the beginning, I was like, "This is gonna be boring." Bill Nye, the science guy. <laughs> it wasn't no. Like, <laughs> and in the end, it turned into like that class. I'd be like, "Yeah, science Bill. rules." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd, I would say I'll give you a letter rating. Okay, and I'll I will actually give a letter rating this time, not numbers again, because. I know things, English language. No, you don't. <laughs> what gave it away? So I would say that is a, that's an A minus. That was good. That that's was better that was, than I thought. I was literally just hoping to get a D plus. You you know that I like the weird and, and interesting. I like learning. Yep. I watch documentaries for fun. I'm that weird. He's a weirdo. Anyways. Thank you very much for the interesting fishing. No fact. problem. So next up, we're going to be talking about top bass lures so we're not going to mention every single lure that's out there we're going to be a little generic about our descriptions we're not going to be mentioning you know we're not going to be trying to mention certain brands or certain you know exact differences but 
uh, some of the baits that came to my mind, I just wrote it on like a list of stuff that I have when I go bass fishing, stuff I bring in my tackle box. We have Sankos or stick baits, uh, classic topwaters like the, like the jitterbug or a walking bait or, you know, a, a crawler, uh, frogs or other soft plastic topwaters, chatter baits, spinner baits, tube jigs, plastic worms, flipping jigs, uh, crank baits, Texas reed worms, flukes, swim baits, slash swim jigs, jerk baits, Ned rig, drop shot. Like these are all things that I have been successful bass fishing. And I know you have as well. That's a lot of stuff, man. It's tons. Yeah. So that's not the list of top baits because that's way too much to cover. Yeah. So I was looking online to see what online in general had as the top five, generally it's top 10 list. I decided that's too much to cover. Yeah. So I started looking at the top five of those top 10 lists to see what would pop up. It was Sankos, Chatterbaits, Plastic Worms, it's like Texas Rigged, Flipping Jigs, and Crankbaits. Yeah. Like, they're, again, that's solid a solid list. list, a yeah. good list. What's one thing on there that, now I asked Jesse to give me five things that he would always, like that his top five bass baits, and I wrote down my top five bass baits out of this same list. And what was on there, one of the online lists that we chose that online did not have? Like, think think of bass fishing. What's the first bait you think of? A frog? Frogs. Yeah. Why was frogs not on the top five list of the online thing? Uh, I don't know. That doesn't, anyways, that, that kind of irked me a bit. But anyways, so this is why we're not going to follow the online list. We're going to talk about our own list. Because online <laughs> is dumb. Unless you're listening to this online, then thank you. Yeah. For anyone who's interested to know what Jesse's nice picks are for this jesse's top picks were sankos stick baits lame i'm just kidding oh, they, <laughs> they're they effective they're, they're boring effective. but they work frogs chatter baits uh ned rigs or or a drop shot or and drop shot so that's that's yeah. his five picks there well i added that because i'm talking largemouth and smallmouth here yeah so, so like bass in general yeah right so same thing I, I try to do the same with mine uh my top choices were classic top waters just I really like fishing those. I'm not going to say they're the most productive, but I love fishing the classic topwaters, uh, like hard baits. Frogs are on there. Chatter baits, just like Jesse, those two. And then I also have uh, flipping or flipping jigs or Texas rig plastics and flukes. Yeah, I love fishing a, like a soft plastic fluke for bass. I'll tell you though, that list you you asked me, I I would totally redo it now. But like 100% add a Texas rig in there for me. You yeah. need that, 100%. Yeah. What we're going to do is we're now going to kind of pick apart our list of what we liked <laughs> because it's a lot less topics to cover. Yeah. <laughs> so kind of we're going to look at a few of these and, and look at what, uh, when we like to use this certain bait or presentation, how we fish it, for what, and, and kind of where. So, for example, the first one, we'll get it over with because I'm sure everyone has heard of Sankos or stick baits. Uh, every soft plastic manufacturer out there has one. Yep. And that's because they, they work. They flat out catch fish. If if you're having, there's so many memes out there online of like, oh, I can't catch any fish today. It's like, see the guy pull out a Sanko? Like, this is what you do. Yeah. <laughs> so when do you bring out a, sink, a Sanko? I have a Sanko. I'm a bit of a snob and I don't like using Sankos unless I have to. That may sound snobby, but like they, they work. But when you're at the point when you're trying to challenge yourself as an angler, chucking out a Sanko may be boring. But when the bite's tough, they they work. Yep. For me, it's they work for some reason that I can't explain. When the bite is tough or you're on pressure water, they will almost 
always hit a Sanko or a stick bait. And generally in the boat, we have it tied on uh, the extra rod, yeah. or one of the extra rods as a follow-up bait. For a the, throwback, For the one-two yeah. punch, right? Yeah. So we're fishing the frog, or we're flipping in whatever, and you get a blow-up, you get a strike, but you miss the fish. You're not going to hit that. They stop hitting that bait. They don't want to hit it again. Yeah, you whip out, whip out a wacky worm and whew. Yeah. Yeah. So, so they definitely have a place on the boat still, even if you are... You know, if you don't like it because, oh, it's the stupid bait. Yeah. yeah, it is. It's stupid because it works. But it's one of those baits that you can literally fish so many ways. You can, you can Nico rig it. You can Texas rig it. Yeah. You can fish it on a drop Cut it in shot. Half, Ned rig it. Yeah. Like they, they just work. They're, they're great baits. And like, again, like Andrew said, every, like every tackle shop you go into will have probably a, a massive selection of different sizes and colors that you can, that yeah. you can use. How would you generally rig it? And where would you fish a Sanko? When you do break it out, what's the scenario? Wacky rig is probably the most popular way. I'm not a big wacky rig guy. I like to Texas rig my Sanko. I like using like a, a three or four odd worm hook, like Texas rig hook. Mm-hmm. Um, I may fish it weightless. I may fish it on a very small, like eighth ounce tungsten weight just to get it down. Usually weightless though, because they, they have a lot of salt in them. So yeah. they actually cast pretty good. It's one of those baits you can cast anywhere around lily pads, around docks. They're, they're really good to skip under docks. If yeah. you can, if you're practicing skipping, Sanko is a good bait because it actually has enough weight and surface area that it skips pretty good. I, I really like it around timber. Like if I see like a lay down, something like that, like wood, docks, lily pads, anywhere. I'm, I'm not going to be fishing them in deeper water though because they take so long to yeah. sink not a fan of that yeah so shallow shallow water i really like texas rigging them texas rigging them as well if i'm around timber but wacky rig is still my prim- primary go-to for them it has as well. such a good action it's yeah. hard not to yeah. and again it's it's great i often don't use it as my go-to bait it's the follow-up bait yeah. of i know there's a fish there he hit i just want to make sure i get him so that's they you know always leave your when you're if you're bass fishing bring them. and they work for smallmouth and largemouth like smallmouth 100%. Love them. yeah yep you're it's even uh fishing dead timber like a, an old tree falling in the water and you're fishing like a jig like a heavy punch like a flipping jig and you get the strike miss it and you just flip in with a slider action spinning rod and it's just like quivering down at the end of the yeah end of the branches and you'll get that fish like, almost like 100 percent and if you do want a wacky rig, you can buy weedless wacky rig hooks with a little weed guard, the fiber yeah. weed guard, and they work great too. Yeah. And I'm the same way. I don't I don't like the weight with it. I want it to have that slow fall. Mm-hmm. I think that's the whole point of it. Yep. Right. So next one is classic topwaters. Yeah. So again, we, we talked a bit. So many. So uh, uh, so I, I really like, again, the jitterbug is probably one of the most classic topwater. It is. Uh, Crazy Crawler is another one. It's they have a, a popper. They're coming back into fashion, the crawling baits. I don't use them too much because as soon as like one little weed or one leaf on the surface of the water hits that one arm, it just stops crawling. Yeah. Depending on the one that you get. Some have they're like finicky. stiff arms as well. But yeah, but yeah it's, it's, it can foul up a lot easier, I find, with the crawling baits. So I don't often use those. Uh, a number of years ago, Jesse got me started. He's like, we need to learn how to walk the dog. We've been fishing for years and yeah. we had never actually, like we had some, some hard bait, like walking baits, like a zero, but spook. didn't know how to use them. Yeah. And so he, he's like, all right, I'm just going to do it. And he's like, he calls me after a, a bass trip. He's like, Hey, uh, walking the dog's super easy. Yeah. <laughs> We've been doing like, it's so easy to learn. I learned it in an afternoon and I nailed a bunch of fish coming up 30 feet to nail this walking bait. Walking baits are fantastic. Once you learn how to use them yeah. and it's not hard. Mm-hmm. it's easy and and walking baits generally if i'd have two topwaters i'd probably pick a walking bait and a popper and a walking bait for me is, is covering water yeah i'm not chucking 
this is general as you can do this, but I'm not chucking a walking bait like beside a log or beside a dock. Yeah. I'm going to cast it as far as I can and just bop, 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 walk it along the shoreline or along a certain area. Yeah. A popper is target oriented. I'm like, there's a dock, there's a stump, there's a, a lily pad. I'm going to chuck a popper there because it's, it's smaller. It works better in one area and it's a more subtle bait. Mm-hmm. But walking baits like a Zara spook, there's so many, but the Zara spook yeah, is yeah. probably the most common yep. one. They're fantastic. And smallmouth. And again, them. talking about classic topwaters, Zara spook is about as classic yeah. as you get. Another one too is I have uh, recently acquired and I've used it a bit. I absolutely love it. Is the it's the Hedden. It's not the Zara spook. It's the wounded minnow. And it's like a small Zara spook or smaller. It's got two treble hooks on it and it has a prop on the front and back. So it's a topwater prop bait. Yeah. So you don't walk the dog with it. You you just drag it forward and it spins these propellers and then like stops and it, and it, and it splashes a lot. So it doesn't have that big like pop like it's just like, like yeah. spinning on the top of the water. And you probably won't be able to find one of those at the store. But if you can't, the Hedden Torpedo yep. is another one. Uh, a classic one is the Devil's Horse. Devil's Yeah. But if you can't find one of those, one of my favorite ones, and you know I've caught two of the biggest bass at the <laughs> yes. Algonquin trips recently, has been the X-Wrap Prop, yep. which is a thin minnow bait with three treble hooks and has a prop on the front, prop on the back, and it's a subtle bait. Again, like you said, you cast it out, you let it sit, and then you just pull it, and it's like... yeah, I love that for when it's dead, dead calm, calm, glass water. Yeah. A walking bait is great with it's like, there's a slight ripple on the waves, not chop, just like a slight ripple from like the lightest breeze. Yeah. I love walking baits in that. But yeah, the prop bait. And it's blood. subtle. And yeah. to add one thing, I think one mistake that I made when I was younger and a lot of anglers I see make is they'll see a, a day or a morning and it's flat calm and they're like, oh, and they put on the most obnoxious, <laughs> noisy top water, like yeah. a big buzz bait or a big like something just crazy. And it's like, no, that's the time to put on something a little more subtle. It actually works a lot better. Yes. Especially if you're fishing in shallow water. Or smaller. If, if it has a lot of action... Like if you're using a walking bait, throw on like the... The smaller one. The, the Zara Puppy. The, yeah, the Zara yeah. Puppy. So or the Head and Spook Junior or something like that. Like those, just the smaller ones and they, they still have like your action if you want to give it that much action. But again, smaller bait, a bit more for an S presentation. And the one last thing I'll say about it is I love... My, my best way to fish these is it's called dead sticking. Hmm. And so I'll cast out and I'll just let the bait sit there for about sometimes like three seconds like a count of three to five seconds on the initial cast and then i'll start like i'll walk the dog or i'll, I'll reel it in a jitterbug whatever for about four to six feet and then i'll stop and i'll just let it sit for a count like three sometimes to ten seconds on the second pause i'll also sometimes wait longer and i fish a lot of my top waters this way and it's called dead sticking and like jesse and i fish very differently so we were at algonquin park uh, camping a while ago and he was fishing a prop bait having yep. really good success with it and he was kind of not really power fishing up it was a constant retrieve with it though yeah i was like pull pause pull pause but it wasn't very long pauses yeah yeah and so he's having good success with that and i was using a bit more of an i was using a czar spook yeah uh, larger more aggressive top water but i was having really long pauses and you'd be surprised how long it is and you you'll see a bass just staring at your bait yeah <laughs> And you just don't move it. And literally five seconds will go by and all of a sudden it's like, boom, and he hits it. Yeah. I love that stuff. It's so again, crazy. The, especially dead sticking with classic topwaters is, for me, it's such an awesome like style of fishing. And you can't not mention in top lures like a whopper plopper or a chopper. 100%. Yeah. Yep. Especially if you're buying your 
your first topwater lure for bass or pike or anything yeah get yourself a berkeley choppo or a whopper plopper just cast mm-hmm. out reel then you can dead stick it too they're great they're plop, 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 plop. Yep. you know they're just same thing, jitterbugs and you can cast out retrieve those as well yep. and you don't have to essentially learn a whole new technique for those it's just cast and wind that's yep. it uh, all right so i spent enough time on the thing that i really liked so <laughs> we'll carry on uh to frogs so jesse and i both had this on our list as something that we'd always go bass fishing with is yep. especially largemouth is frogs so what do you think makes frogs so effective the fact that you can cast them wherever the heck you want and they come back without any weeds on them <laughs> they, I, it's a shallow water hammer yeah yeah i i fish frogs a lot around shoreline so even if there's no no lily pads stuff like that on the surface of the water and i'm trying to you know cast a bait right into shore under a bunch of like low-hanging cedar trees i'll often use a frog or some other completely like weedless bait because how many times i mess up my cast flies right into the branches but i can just slowly reel it in and it falls out of the tree it's treeless it. <laughs> yeah so i really like it for even that but yeah 100 percent. it's a forgiving bait yes yeah you yes. can cast it and, and like you said you may be super good at casting but for generally most of us for the average angler it's some a of your casts are going to be crappy and you're going to hit <laughs> you know on top of a dock maybe on a boat yep. <laughs> in some trees and your frog will come back usually unscathed <laughs> uh, another thing with the frog fishing is when you're fishing it in, in this shallow water and shallow cover the other great thing about it is the strike anything top water yeah the blow up is is like even if you miss the fish it was a great blow up your your chest is pounding like yeah. you'll be kicking yourself for you know for premature not- ejerculating as jesse calls it like yanking the hook out of the fish's mouth yeah but but oh, like seeing those blow-ups and especially too uh even fishing that any any top water when pike start hitting that stuff and they rocket themselves like three feet out of the water pike again, and musky do that i've yeah. i've hooked so many and you'll, you'll see that when you're bass fishing because yeah. you don't primarily use them for pike and musky generally speaking yeah. you're fishing frogs or bass and all of a sudden this snot rocket fires three feet out of the air like a three feet out of the air like a torpedo yeah <laughs> i actually was a quick story about that i was fishing with my nephew uh one or two years ago and i was frog fishing in a, just a dense lily pad field and i cast kind of like right in front of him he was in front of the canoe i was reeling in and i had just this wake come towards my frog and i was like oh musky next cast i cast out again this wake comes up it cart it grabbed the frog and cartwheeled like three feet out of the air did a flip right in front of my nephew in the canoe and then smacked in the water and bit me off and he was like what the heck was that an alligator (laughs) i was like yeah pretty much (laughs) but we actually have a full episode coming up all about frog fishing so we're we're not gonna gonna spend too much time on on frogs we're gonna get into a lot more techniques and yeah and particulars on it but i always have a frog like the the way oh, yeah. where we fish a lot in the corthas there's a lot of weeds yep. and shallow vegetation so i always have a frog tied on and again the top water strike yeah we always say i'd rather catch one fish on a frog than 10, than on, a sanko. 10 on a sanko. i always say that <laughs> and again you may be from northern ontario or another place where maybe there's not a lot of vegetation yeah like andrew said you can cast them just as a regular top water maybe not the best but you know it is what it is it's going to depend what lake you fish frogs exist even like in the northern lakes where there's no topwater weeds so that's why i say if, if fish it where frogs are going to be if there's like a big rock pile or stuff like that and and you, just, you hear a bunch of frogs at night there try pitching a frog over there yeah might be surprised yeah uh next up is chatterbaits 
uh, and spinner. We'll talk about chatterbaits and spinnerbaits a bit. So okay. we have another episode coming up soon about chatterbaits. Isn't that next week? Uh, no, ne- I don't think it's next week. Maybe it's coming it up. I think it is. Actually. Next week is chatterbaits, so we're not going to get super in depth. But yeah, chatterbaits are legit. I think next week is frog fishing. Okay. Anyways. Either way. <laughs> You're in for a very bassy month this month. Yes. Well, that's because it's bass opener. Well, soon around. I don't know when exactly this is released, but yeah, it'll be soon. Yeah. So chatterbaits and spinnerbaits, they they fill a pretty similar niche, I would say. Yeah, they're just you use them in slightly different situations, but they're very similar. Yeah. They even look similar. But you and I both both said chatterbait instead of spinnerbait. Yeah. So why did you choose? I'll give my opinion after because I want to base mine off of what you say. <laughs> well, honestly, when I was thinking of the list, I'm more of a largemouth fisherman. Mm-hmm. Um, so I fish more shallow cover. If I was fishing more smallmouth, chatterbaits work great for smallmouth, but spinnerbaits are probably have the edge for me. I'd probably pick a spinnerbait over a chatterbait for smallmouth. But since I'm fishing a lot of shallow cover, um, chatterbaits are great because they're a really good reaction bait. Mm-hmm. Because spinnerbaits are more weedless than chatterbaits, Chatterbaits have an exposed hook. There's no arm protecting it. They do catch on weeds, but that's the whole point. If you're fishing around sparse weeds, I'm not saying cast into slop, but <laughs> if you're fishing around sparse weeds, you kind of want your chatterbait to get stuck in the weeds, and then you rip your rod and cause your bait just to rip out of the weeds, yeah. and it causes a reaction bite. And sometimes when the fish are just not in the mood to bite, that reaction bite, it's something they can't control. It's a reaction. It's like if someone tossed just like, here, catch, and they throw a ball at you. You just reactively grab it. Same thing happens with bass, and chatterbaits are just perfect for that. Yeah, and the one thing I like about chatterbaits, so even for smallmouth personally, I I like chatterbaits. Uh, I I do use spinnerbaits as well. I'm not knocking them at all. They're a great bait. But the Minimax chatterbait oh, is yeah. a little bit smaller, and it's like the perfect bite size for a smallmouth bass. I absolutely love those. And largemouth too, but yeah, small, yeah, it's perfect for smallmouth. Yeah, yeah, and and pike will bite you off. 100%. <laughs> But there's so many different types of chatterbaits and weights and blades and all stuff. You can fish the whole water column from mm-hmm. shallow to bouncing right on the bottom and deep water rocks. So, like, we're going to get more into that eventually in 100%. a coming episode. Now, one thing that didn't make our list, but I did want to give, like, kind of a special mention to is tube jigs. Yep. They, they're on the rise again of being a bit more popular. We just picked some up, actually, uh, from Water Wolf. Bass Magnet. Bass Magnet, yeah. right. So bass man, we picked up some tube jigs. I'm excited to use those again because I want to fish them a bit differently than I used to. I used to fish them around rocks and stuff like that. Amazing smallmouth bait. Yeah. Amazing. And I really want to fish it more uh, like pitching. I want to try pitching them into pockets and stuff like that. Yeah. It's going to work. Flipping tubes is, is used to be very popular. Yeah. A lot of people still do it, but it, it used to be like a, the deal. They had like flipping tubes and texas rig tube it has the reason why it's different than say flipping a beaver bait or something typical mm-hmm. is because tubes have a very weird spiral fall yeah. it's so random and things that are not random like if, if things fall straight down up and down like that it's not very natural yeah. so if a fish sees it's some random bait bite, that's just but... kind of like skittering down like a wounded fish it's so natural to them yes so uh, that is one thing that it didn't make any of the lists as in, into the top five 100 percent though worth an honorable mention and yep. it is something that I want to put a bit more time towards and gain a bit more confidence in this year. 100%. Uh, next up would be uh, flipping. Uh, so that would be like flipping jigs or like flipping some Texas rig plastics into the weeds. Yeah. For me, I have a lot more confidence in uh, like flipping a Texas rig worm yep. than a flipping jig. 
But yeah. that's just... I think that's with a lot of people. Though. My experience, mainly. Yeah, I've, I've heard a lot of people, and they're like, you know what? They say jigs are so popular, and like, I don't really catch fish on jigs. There's a time and a place. Like, mm-hmm. we're like, what are the pros and cons of using a Texas rig, say, like a Texas rig craw bait, or a flipping jig with a craw bait on it? One is going to be slightly more weedless than the other. I don't care what jig guys say. A Texas rig is more streamlined, mm-hmm. and it'll slip through thicker weeds better, I find. Mm-hmm. I do find you get bigger bites on jigs because it's like we were saying in the swim jig, swim jig episode, two episodes back, it's more bulky. It's a bigger profile. I think it attracts bigger bites. I still catch dinks on them, believe me, <laughs> but I do find that. So like, for instance, if I'm, sometimes I'll go through like one of the main areas that I flip and I flip just a half ounce tungsten head, uh, a craw bait with a, you know, a three or four odd hook. And I just go down flipping through lily pads here, there, you know, beside a dock. And then sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm going to try a jig. And every time I'm flipping jigs out, I'm pulling crap off like weeds and crap off the, you know, the eye of the jig and, and on the, you know, in the weed garden, it gets stuck on it. It's like, if there's a lot of like floating vegetation and, and weeds that are getting stuck on the jig, a Texas rig seems to pull through. So yeah. I kind of favor them. hundred percent. Yeah. And I know we've had, uh, some, so I, I wasn't very, I remember my first jig fish actually was uh you're fishing on a on one of the, in the Kawartha area and uh, i i was telling jesse i've never i owned a couple jigs i had never caught a fish on a flipping jig ever yeah. and so i ended up uh, i'm like, like, like i'm gonna try this this day jesse was killing it on him and i i just kept casting the frog because that's all i had confidence in i could i did not have any confidence in the jigs and i put it on for a while cast and Jesse would keep out fishing me and I'd get upset. <laughs> it was one of those days though that they yeah. just they weren't committing to the frog. And I was yeah. like, Andrew, like put on a jig or put on something that's getting underneath, right? Yeah. So he finally did. So so I did. So I I keep asking, and this this is a question that I ask stupidly every single time I'm learning a new technique, pretty much, unless it's a topwater, is how do I know when I get a bite? <laughs> and silly me, because the hardest bite you'll ever feel in your life is a jig bite. <laughs> a jig bite. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> so it's funny because I was I'm expecting this big, like, and I I have felt it in since. Yeah. And you feel a jig bite, and it just feels like a rock bit your bit your jig. Like what happened? Yeah, I feel like a snag, but it just happened like instantaneously. Yeah. So. Anyway, I, I cast out. There's a an, an old dock and a, and a big like old stump in this deep hole. Weeds all around, and I was like, okay, like, that stump looks like it'll hold something. Yeah. So I flipped this jig in, and I let it sink. And I had slack line, and I look over at Jesse, and I'm, I'm, I'm I I wasn't really paying attention at all. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I look back, I'm like, why is my line thirty feet away from where I cast it? <laughs> and I just like reel in, I feel weight, set the hook, and I landed. It was like over a three pound bass there's a good my bass, first yeah. my first jig fish was a good fish yeah and the what surprised me was and i've noticed it since with jig fishing how long they hold it a fish will hold the bait they hold it like this thing swam and i don't mean fast i was not paying attention i was just talking to jesse not at all really fishing my bait yeah i cast out did nothing and it picked it up and swam 30 feet casually Without knowing it was a hook or a line attached to that thing, yeah. So I'm 30 feet casually across, thankfully not into a stump, and I, yeah, I got it in. Like that's that blows my mind still to this day is how long they'll hold a jig. So 100%. I think that's a big reason why they're so effective. Yeah, and we're gonna get more into this in in another episode. But one tip that I'd add on that is some people will say like, "Oh, a bass grabs your jig, set the hook immediately." Mm-hmm. I want the fish to grab it 
and then get ready for the hook set. Like we said, oftentimes they hold it. Yeah. So get yourself situated for a good hook set. Don't just slack line them or just like have a weird hook set because you're trying to do it as quick as possible. That fish is holding on. It thinks yeah. that it has a good meal in its mouth. It's not going to let go of it. Yeah. Reel in until you feel the fish it's and like, then oh, just it's gonna, pull It's going to feel the hook. It's going to feel like the, yeah. the, the heavy weight. Like, oh, they're hard. Guess what? Bass love crayfish. Yeah. Guess what they are? Hard. <laughs> yeah. Now, that being said, sometimes in some lakes and sometimes of the year, a bass will suck in a jig and spit it out before you even feel it. Yep. But oftentimes when they're aggressively feeding, they'll hold it for quite a bit. And I've that seen goes them do that double. with crankbaits too, though. Like yeah. it's, it's for anything. They it goes can... double with uh, soft plastics, I'd say, if you're yeah. fishing like a Texas rig. Yeah. But they're great. They're great to catch largemouth and smallmouth jigs and Texas rigs. So uh, the next one I'll talk about is flukes. So Ooh, for me. That's a good one. A fluke is such an awesome bait. And I, I'm separating that from the swim baits or paddle tails and stuff like that. Just for me, I have tons of confidence in a Texas rigged weightless fluke. Or if I, if I will, I'll put a little weighted like underspin fluke, but but very limited weight, like an eighth of an ounce or quarter, at most quarter ounce if I'm fishing, you know, some fairly deep water, like down to, you know, 10, 15 feet. It's still not weighted very heavy and I want to have that slow presentation. And the thing I love about the flukes is whether... Uh, again, I love the Z-Man, if I can get it. The Z-Man Streaks. They used to have the old Z-Man Fluke Yeah. Uh, back when it was called Cyberflex. Yeah, the Zoo 2. And, and it was laced with garlic, and yep. I, I miss those tremendously. Uh, if anyone, if anyone, I'm going to put this call out there. If you have an old bag of the old, uh, was it Strike King? Strike King Cyberflex, made by Z-Man. Yes, yeah. Strike King Cyberflex, made by Z-Man, Flukes, with the garlic scent. Please, please mail them to me i have been looking for those at CanCast, at at random people's homes and i'm doing plumbing <laughs> i've been looking for these again because i had a pack of three and they lasted me about five years because i'd run each bait like a year and a half two years until it's literally unusable Just, like, i miss them glued it together yep I Andrew's problem with asking you that is, is he's telling you how good the bait is. So just keep it for yourself and catch fish on it. They, they stink. <laughs> <laughs> They're the worst. So uh, one of the things I love doing with flukes is uh, I really like them fishing on heavy cover. Yeah. So I'll Texas rig it weightless. And again, if it's Z-Man, I mean, use the razor shads of Z-Man too. It floats. And it floats. It supports even a three-aught wide gap uh, like offset hook. Hmm. And so I'll cast that out and you just, I'll twitch the rod as I bring it in just very slightly almost like wiggling the rod tip. And as you just cons- consistently reel, it just like twitches the bait through all the little stems of the weeds. It's like right underneath the lily pad tops, but through all the stems. Hmm. And I absolutely love that. And I did really well Subtle. when I'm camping. Yeah. yeah, I remember that day. He, and, was, he was killing me. <laughs> I was fishing a frog and, and that day was slick calm and I was trying to kind of, you know, try to finesse the frog a bit. But he had this just floating... Uh, you know, just twitching little plastic minnow just underneath the surface and the bass were just coming up and just, they just slurp yep. it off and you wouldn't even see a splash, nothing, just no. like a little slurp. And then he'd be like, fish on, fish yeah. on. <laughs> Jesse's like, dang it. Ow, I don't even see the strike. I'm like, it's cause it's not there. He's like supernatural. <laughs> and uh, my other, another reason why I have a lot of, of um, confidence in the fluke is I caught my biggest largemouth bass on a fluke, which was uh, over four pounds. And we were fishing again in Kortha area, heavily pressured water. A on this very lake. pressured lake in very. this, yeah, small lake. Yeah. And uh, we were fishing this like just. There's one single dock that came out in the middle of the of the water, like came out like 40 feet. It was ridiculous. Yeah. And uh, 
there's there's not much cover around. Like there's shouldn't say that. There's tons of cover around because it's Corthus. There's just weeds everywhere, but there's not much man-made. I'm looking for something different. So we're flipping docks primarily, and I was casting this uh, fluke round, getting it as deep under the dock as I could. You can skip them really nicely too, which is why yeah. I like it. And uh, it was very slow sinking. I had a like very, very slow. Yeah, it 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 was barely you know sub buoyant. <laughs> yeah. And so I just twitch it in, and you can almost walk the dog with them underwater. Oh, which you can! I yeah. love. Yeah. So this thing's twitching underwater back and forth, and you feel it. You feel just like a small tap, and they, they don't like annihilate this thing. They just like suck it in their mouth, like Jesse said, and that's it. And they hold it, and so I, I reel in the slack, get prepped for the hook set, hook on, and I brought that. I dragged this bass out from in this dock, and it was the biggest largemouth I've I've caught. It wasn't like eight pounds. No, it was. We didn't weigh it, but it was. It was approaching we did, five. We did weigh it. I think it was four something. It was four something. It was a good for that particular lake. Yeah, it was fantastic. Some yeah. lakes, it's like, oh yeah, we catch fives all the time. But some lakes, yeah. sometimes a three pounder is a giant. So when yeah. you catch a four, it's like, whoa. <laughs> so yeah. So that's yeah. for me. I have a lot of confidence in the in the flukes, and it's something that again, I'll fish it uh, in place of a weedless frog, or I'll fish it in place of. Uh, like a Sanko or something like that, I'll fish it really finesse or you can fish it fast. It's another versatile bait for me. Floating, sinking, whatever. Yeah, and you know who makes flukes? True North Baits. True North Baits. Yeah. He has some actually really nice finesse ones too. So if you're fishing some light gear yeah. and and it's actually exactly the size of like a three or four inch minnow and you get a small finesse hook and again, it, it's not going to float. It's going to sink slowly, not crazy fast. But again, you can cast right into weeds, just twitch it right through all the stems and a bass sitting in the weeds is not going to pass up a nice little morsel of this like no. stupid little minnow swimming by its face. It's like you idiot. It's like a it's like a timbit. <laughs> I know I eat those whenever I see them. <laughs> and the last one we're going to talk about is uh, the Ned rig. Okay. Slash drop shot. They're okay. both finesse based. So you choose which one you want to talk about. How about that? I'll talk about the Ned rig. Why not? All right. <laughs> I'm not. A, okay. To start off, I'm not a Ned rig fan, but I cannot argue with the fact that they actually catch tons of fish. <laughs> I'm not a Ned rig fan. It just seems dumb, but they slam fish. So do Sankos. Two. Yeah. There you heard it. Just two baits that Jesse thinks are dumb. Sankos made his top five list of most effective fast hey, baits. <laughs> I didn't say Jesse's favorite baits to fish. This is the most effective baits. Yeah. But anyway, a Ned rig is a great bait. It's literally think of it as a short fat Sanko. That's pretty much what it is. And the it's Sanko on, cut in half. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? When I first saw the the Ned rig started becoming popular like over ten years ago, I kind of looked at it and I was like, that's kind of dumb. Like, what does it do? Is it's just a jig. It's not at all. If you watch the guy who actually came out with the design for the Ned rig, mm-hmm. explain how to fish them, it's totally different than I ever thought. Again, you can fish them any way you want, and they'll catch fish, but what time when you're fishing like a Sanko is the fish usually gonna hit? It's as it's slowly falling, right? same thing is with the ned rig i watch this guy cast it out and they have such a small jig head on these baits and yeah. the the z-man turd yeah <laughs> the trd the, the ned it slowly sinks down and then the fish just comes up and slurps it up and when it hits the bottom if there, if no fish is eaten by then he you know w- rips his rod up a bit lets it go up and then it sinks again he recreates yeah. that that slow sinking subtle action over and over again I see a lot of people just fishing them on the bottom, like a jig, just hopping them on the bottom. Obviously, that works too. Mm-hmm. But or, that, dra- or dragging them too. Yeah, yeah, and there's tons of ways you can fish them, but the original way to fish them was actually a long fall. Yeah. That's why they're such small. Aggressive, like, jig snap, yeah. and then, yeah. And and they're great baits. And, like, 
again, they catch anything. They're great for smallmouth. They're great for largemouth. Catch and again, it's not panfish. It's not pike. a big bait. This is a small finesse size they're less bait. Less than three inches. I think normally they're about two and three quarter inches long. Yeah. yeah. And there's tons of great ones out there. And they catch guys win tournaments on these things. Oh yeah. Like <laughs> it's it's a great finesse bait. Yep. Yeah. So I think that covers pretty well of Jesse and I's opinions on some of the You didn't do drop baits. shot. Okay, we can do drop shot. Okay. Oh, Let's we do drop to. shot. Drop shot's great. Drop shot's fun. So <laughs> so what what's the difference then between so Ned Ned Rig is is small. Yeah. Drop shot is also generally a finesse size bait as well. Yeah. So what is a, a I'll explain kind of what a drop shot system looks like if you haven't heard of it. So I have a small weight, generally what quarter ounce. Sometimes less, sometimes more, but about a quarter ounce, I would say, is is normal or three or yeah, like an eighth, three sixteenths. Three sixteenths. Sometimes in deeper water, heavier, obviously. Yeah. yeah. And then you have uh, anywhere from like six inches to up to two feet, whatever you want. Uh, this allows you to oh, and then a hook. I should finish explaining the rig before I go into <laughs> reasons. So you have a weight, you have a length of line. We'll discuss the length of that in a second, and then a small finesse hook, and. Uh, then you just have a small little bait, often just hooked through the nose or something. You can Texas rig them as well if you want. But the hook is actually tied to the line, so it's not hanging down. It's actually completely horizontal on the line, ideally, yeah. with the hook point pointed up. Now, the way uh, that's this effective is because you can alter the length of line you have between your presentation, the bait, and the contact at the bottom, your weight, if you know that you have suspending fish and they're feeding you know six inches off the bottom they want to feed on the bottom they're feeding six inches off the bottom that can make a huge difference yeah now you know exactly where you are because you're feeling the contact of the bottom that you're fishing with that weight but your lure the bait is now in the strike zone so you're not trying to guess where it is you can 100 percent know you are four six inches two feet off the bottom you know exactly where that bait is and that is what it, one of the reasons why it's very effective yeah and, and oftentimes like if your lake has a lot of you know, muck or weeds on the bottom. It's a rig that helps your bait keep off the bottom. Mm -hmm. And and again, be more in the fish's face or in an area where it can find it easier. And drop shot is so versatile. Like you can, you know, you can fish Great Lakes drop shot with four pound test and gin clear water for big smallmouth. Or you can literally fish a Bubba shot, which is like heavy cover yeah. flipping style drop shots. And they're great. Like they work so good for smallmouth and really good for largemouth. But smallmouth for me, you have to have a drop shot tie on. You can't not. Yeah, it's such a subtle way to present just a beautiful little morsel of delicious food to a bass. You can, you know, a little worm, little paddle tail, whatever the heck you want on a drop shot, and it'll work. And it, it sounds like a complicated technique, but it's not. No, and it works good for ice fishing too. And the thing is too that the, the biggest shortcoming that I had, I know you had when you first started using it, is overworking the bait. Yes, like that. Yes. <laughs> the best thing you can do is nothing. We learned <laughs> by buying an ice fishing camera that small movements from your rod create large movements on your bait yeah. and well i think one of the main flaws that we had and i think I'll probably half of you that are listening probably 98 percent of you is you you're probably overworking a drop shot 100 percent you are yeah. you can literally if you're in a boat and your boat's rocking and holding your rod the bait's already twitching down there <laughs> if it's slightly wavy the bait's twitching down yeah. there you don't have to jerk your rod if you're moving your your rod tip like you know, like a foot, your bait's like flying up and down there like some crazy, yeah. you know, little minnow on E. Like it doesn't have to look like you just want it to slightly be hovering and twitching down there. That's yep. literally the deal. I What I've done too is if I'm fishing a, it's often fished on a spinning rod. Yep. And so what you can do is you can 
kind of like tickle the line right above the reel. And just that little bit will even give some action. And you can feel bites. And you can feel bites. Just like You're Jeremy Wade. Constant. You see Ooh. him always like holding the yeah. line. Yeah. <laughs> that, or you can even like start tapping like the raw butt or, or higher up on the rod. You can just tap it like Morse code. That little bit of action is still imparting action. You don't have to, you know, have any big movements like Jesse no, said. No, 100%. And even if there's absolutely no movement, sometimes like dead sticking, a topwater that's not moving, they'll hit it. This little like fish that just dropped down in front of them and just stopped moving completely that can elicit strikes and too there's underwater currents as well even yeah. subtle ones that are going to make this bait move yeah. so just to be you know just to say you don't have to learn morse code <laughs> but just try to be subtle when you do it and it's a great technique for bass like we're mentioning walleye uh, panfish ice fishing it's great mm-hmm. it's it's probably one of the most effective techniques that i, I would tell anyone that you should learn if you want to fish yeah. in ontario and if you're branching out out into finesse fishing this is probably the one thing i would say to start with first yeah because it's getting you used to catching big fish on a small bait yeah and it's and light line and and light line yeah. but it's yeah like just it's very easy to learn it's not something that you have to you know train for to be effective at it's literally the less you do the better with it almost yeah so now i think we're done at least our to our our top picks like we said before there's so many other things there's you know like crank baits there's jerk baits Jerk baits are an amazing smallmouth bait. Crankbaits are fantastic. I love crankbait fishing. It didn't make my list, but I do love crankbait fishing. And, you know, I'll tell you, it's probably because we fish a lot of weedy lakes. Yeah. But when you go up north and we're fishing some of these lakes and there's no weeds, you're like, wow, I can fish a crankbait and just reeled in and there's no (laughs) weeds on my hook. So it really depends where you live. So if you're trying for bass fishing and you are feel overwhelmed by the biggest fishing industry that's out there with the most tournaments, the most professional anglers, focusing on them there is so much information about it yeah but this is just a small sampling of what we have found that works really well for our area again we're ontario anglers we fish a lot of the southern ontario uh bodies of water these things work everywhere because everything that we just talked about was primarily uh invented or or made popular by american anglers down in the south yeah so these things work absolutely everywhere so if you want to try it at something new that you haven't tried before, maybe it's one of the things that Jesse and I recently got onto, you know, like or even years past of we made the effort to try walking the dog and learn that. It wasn't difficult to learn, 100% worth it. It's one of my favorite forms of topwater fishing now is walking the dog. So 100%, if you're out there, if you haven't tried uh, some of the things that we've talked about or if there's something else that you have seen or, or, or heard about, try the Tokyo rig. We didn't talk about that. That's... That's pretty new. It's a weird little rig. Try it. Yeah. It works. Basically, everything you throw in the water for these fish can work if you fish it effectively. Yeah. So don't feel uh, overwhelmed by what's out there. Every year, Jesse and I like to try a new technique and try and learn it, and it just adds to our repertoire. So I encourage you all to do that as well. For sure. Uh, the one, a couple things we wanted to mention as well, again, is the giveaway for uh, True North Baits. I forgot to talk about that earlier. So it's uh, it's another great giveaway. He's a, he's a pretty cool guy. I talked to him. I met him at Ganyons actually before we went crappy fishing. And so he pointed to some of his recommendations and boy, did they work. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm really satisfied with, with what I purchased from them in the past. He's either really good at telling us what baits to use or maybe we're just decent anglers <laughs> or maybe both. <laughs> I think he knows what sells and is like that one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm constantly having to pour that one. <laughs> so 
Uh, this giveaway, it's a multi-species package. So it has an assortment of soft plastics, a variety of those. He's got the hooks. He's got a compact box. And he even has a True North Bates t-shirt he's going to throw in there for you. Mm. So a nice little like assortment pack for you. If, uh, again, if we're talking about Texas rigging or we're talking about drop shotting, there's 100%. I know he specializes in finesse soft plastics. So if you wanted to get into drop shotting, this is the perfect giveaway for you to try some of these more finesse presentations because he's definitely going to have some awesome stuff in there for you. Exactly. And how can you win this giveaway? Something that uh, I tell people every week, you have to be following us on our Instagram mm -hmm. account, Average Ontario Anglers. Right now, that is the only way to enter the giveaways. And here's how you do it. Follow us on Instagram, put on post notifications every week towards the end of the week, Thursday or Friday, we actually post the giveaway and you it'll have, be on the stories. It'll be on the stories and in the main feed and, and it'll tell you how to enter. And that's the only way to enter. So make sure you follow us on Instagram if you're not already. Mm -hmm. As well, we'd like to mention, please leave us a review. If you're watching this on Spotify or Apple, please leave us a review. It means a lot. And if you're watching this on YouTube, give us a thumbs up. <laughs> and we also recently uh, set up our Patreon. So if you are looking for a way to support us uh, right now on our Patreon, which Jesse will have linked below, it's something that, again, it's completely voluntary. If you'd like to, right now we have the, the $2 a month or a custom one you can do a one-time donation if you like it's basically like buying one of us a cup of coffee if you do the two dollars a month so if you have ever thought man those guys are fun if i ever saw them at tim hortons i would buy them a cup of coffee that's four dollars so you're actually getting a 50 percent savings <laughs> <laughs> so we encourage if if you feel the need or have the desire to support us that is uh, a way that we just opened up that we'd love to get uh, some support not mandatory by any means we're going to continue giving uh, these giveaways for all of our listeners right now and also the content that we hope you're enjoying as well so again like jesse said follow leave a rating uh, if you ever see us out and about buy us a sure. coffee <laughs> buy us a coffee even just come over say hi anyway this is episode 15 of the average ontario anglers podcast Again, if you're a company or a brand that would like to pair up with us for one of our future giveaways, make sure to shoot us an email at uh, averageontarioanglers at gmail.com. Mm -hmm. As well, you could also send us a direct message on Instagram or Facebook. So thanks again for everyone listening one to this. One last thing. Oh, oh, okay. One last thing I wanted to mention about True North Bates is he's bringing out uh, these spin bucktails. Ooh. Have you seen those? Yeah, I did. They yeah. look, they look they good. Look really he just good. had uh, a killer trip on them, actually. Actually, so, he was fishing the day that we recorded this yeah. today. He sent me a bunch of pics of walleye that he smashed <laughs> on them. nailed them. So, yeah, they those are actually... And the last thing I want to mention, because check out his website for them. Uh, it's got an underspin blade on it. It's a bucktail jig. Yeah. It's hand-tied, so that thing stays, like, locked on. Like, yep. he showed me the one... Uh, he sent Jesse a picture of the one that he's retiring now because he had a few trips on it. Lots of success with it. The thing's beat up. There's still hair on that. Yeah. I caught like two walleye on one the on a bucktail jig and all my hair fell off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of like the top of my head. <laughs> but it also has a, a gamakatsu hook. So again, it's going to be great hookup percentage, nice flash, a great bait that's going to last a while. So great walleye bait. He's got big pike on them as yeah. well. It's it's a bait that, it's one of those baits in Ontario <laughs> that you're like, you kind of need one of these. Yeah. You know. So make sure you check that out for him. Uh, if you ever do, uh, like we mentioned before, if you ever look to order something from something you've heard about on the podcast, uh, especially if it's a local bait maker, let them know that you heard it from AOA. And uh, that way they know that 
what they're doing for by giving stuff away is actually useful for them. Yeah. <laughs> or they might be like, who? <laughs> That's probably the most regular response. But anyways, thanks for listening. Hope you all have a great week and we'll see you next time.